you've said, we, we get a fast forward to the conclusion of the Advent journey, that is to rejoice. But meanwhile, in secular culture, tomorrow is, at least in the world of the National Football League, the clash of the Ohio's, Cleveland versus Cincinnati, 1 p.m. up in Cleveland. And of course, it's Johnny Manziel's first start as an NFL quarterback. All eyes will be on this player who, while he was at Texas A&M, won the Heisman Trophy in his freshman year. And so the speculation is, what will this first inaugural game of Johnny Menzel show about the rest of his career? Will he have a rushing touchdown? Will he have a passing touchdown? Tomorrow's game, good, bad, indifferent, will be a prelude to what happens next in his career. Why would I mention that here? Because, my friends, in the readings we have for this third Sunday of Advent, we have a spiritual analogy to an inaugural. Because this reading that we just heard proclaimed here at this Mass was Jesus' first homily ever recorded. Think about that. Why did Jesus choose this particular text from the book of Isaiah? Why did he not pick another text? Because this Bible passage, in Jesus' mind, summed up everything that was about to happen in his public ministry. And so, my friends, we should look at this passage very prayerfully and very carefully. Again, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Right there, right there we have a code of the inner logic of Jesus' decision to use this passage. The Spirit of the Lord, he said, was upon him. Remember what the word spirit means in the Old Testament spirituality. It's from the book of Genesis. The spirit of the Lord brooded over creation. The spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. And again and again throughout the scriptures, we see that through the spirit, the ruach in the old language, God creates. God originates. God brings things out of nothing into reality. Jesus chose this text to say that now he claims that same creative capacity for himself. I am the one in whom the creative force of reality now operates. Jesus is saying. Not in a religion, not in a book, not in a theology or a morality, but in me, he says. Jesus is about to remake reality. He becomes, the scriptures say later, the new creation. 
And then fast forwarding to the end of Advent, we see again this word, the Spirit. Jesus breathes that same creative Spirit of God upon whom? Upon his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So he now is giving that same creative capacity through the disciples to us. We too incarnate that principle of being co-creators with God. We have the Ruah of God within us. And then what does Jesus say in this, his inaugural homily? He says three things. First, he has sent me to bring good news to the lowly, the poor, the sick, all those who are under the power of some oppression. And recall that in the vision of Jesus, his whole message is summarized in this phrase, the good news. But this too is a code for us because it is a word play in the scriptures. The good news in the writer's mind was speaking to a secular culture that used good news, the euangelion, that we've heard taught here so often from Father James and Father Jan. The euangelion was a political pronouncement made by often military rulers. The good news of a victory in battle. So we have secular records saying the euangelion of Caesar Augustus in his victory in the East. But in this homily, Jesus says that his good news announces that there is a power greater than political reality or military reality. There is a new power afoot in the world through Jesus, in Jesus. And we see in his ministry that he will swallow up all the hate and violence and oppression that merely earthly powers can deal out. And that becomes the good news of God. What else does Jesus say in this homily? He has come, he says, to heal the brokenhearted. What is the heart, spiritually speaking? We remember again, it is a spiritual code. To the writers of the scriptures, the heart represents the center of the human person, the intersection of thought and feeling. Which is why here at Mass, in a few moments, Father James will say, we do not lift up our minds. We do not lift up our energy. No, we lift up our hearts to the Lord. And Jesus then goes to, in his homily, the focus on hearts that are broken. Why would he do that? Because when the Lord is not the center of your life, Jesus is saying, your heart will be broken in its quest to fill its center with false gods. 
which is why St. Augustine taught that our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. Jesus is saying in this homily, apart from God, your heart will wander. It will follow impulse after impulse. This teacher, that teacher, this self-improvement scheme, your heart will be divided, splintered, and then it will be broken in that search for the true God. And so what does Jesus do? He is the healer. In the old language, the word for savior literally means soter, to heal. Jesus heals hearts that are broken by dead end searches for false gods. How does he do this? By coming into our hearts and giving them a unified vision and purpose for life. And so when we invite Christ to live in our hearts, he mends our hearts. And we translate all this into a spiritual dimension. When Jesus says that he came to announce the freedom from captivity. He has come to announce release for prisoners, he says, in the third point of his homily. It's hard for us to relate to captivity as moderns, but not in the time of Jesus. His own people, we remember, were colonized. They were occupied by the Roman Empire. What would it mean to have your freedom stolen? We think of this, the hymn we sing in Advent, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. This is to show us what it feels like to be a sinner, to be captive to an alien power. This is what Paul says in Romans, the good which I should do, I do not do. And the evil I should not do, I do. There is a war going on inside all of us as human beings. Envy, pride, anger, avarice, lust, all of these things are like addictions that have us in their grip. And Jesus says, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captive, to free us from these sinful obsessions. How does he do it in this homily? By giving a mission. The Bible is all about mission, not maintenance. Jesus wants to take us out of our self-centered, self-referential, as the Holy Father calls it, captivity to ourselves. He says, I have a mission for you as my co-creators to take the spirit of liberation to others, my message of hope and forgiveness to others, so you can heal others' broken hearts as I have healed yours. And filled up with that mission, we know, as John the Baptist in the Gospel today knew, where his heart was rightly centered. Three times they asked him, 
Who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Each time he has the grace and clarity to answer no because he knew his mission. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, he says. I have a mission to announce Jesus Christ because he was grasped by Jesus and his mission. So in this coming week, my friends, I would encourage you not just to watch Johnny Menzel tomorrow afternoon, but to meditate on Isaiah 61, Jesus' inaugural homily, homily, who he was, how he liberates us. That is the spirit of Advent, how we can recall our deliverance from our own self-centeredness, our own captivity. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.